Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Mahler Bros Golf signature polos. Mahler Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those that want a subtle and sleek looking design. They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MahlerBros.com for 15% off. You know when you're golfing, the sun's beating down, and you want to take your shirt off because of the heat? These polos almost feel like you aren't wearing one at all. Are your polos getting outdated and dingy? Time to get new ones that will make you stand out on the course. You need Mahler Bros Golf Signature Polos. Their polos are a comfortable, slim fit that will make you look and feel good when you're golfing with the boys. It can be tough to get the perfect golf polo, but Mahler Bros provides a product that looks great, fits great, and is effective when that sun is beaten down. You can also grab these perfect polos at the Belly Up t-shirts collection by going to maulerbros.com backslash bellyup. Mahler Bros doesn't only have polos, they have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that family get-together. Maybe a date. Who knows, maybe even at a college basketball game where you're witnessing the theater. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's spelled M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S.com. Again, 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros polos. Mahler Bros Golf. Look good. Feel good. And of course, feel good. Play good. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I am Suvi, not riding solo. Taylor Damel, back in the saddle. Call. Say something, man. What's up? Testing, testing. Is this, is this still on? Yeah, is this thing on? Hello. Welcome. It's good. 
It's good I'm to glad have to you be back. back. Welcome, welcome back, welcome Taylor. Me. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Sorry, look, go. I've already forgotten how to do this. Yeah, you can do the the Quentin Williams bless you. <laughs> what what he sneezes bless That's you. you. Bless Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you just did. Uh, but yeah, Taylor Dammel back in the building. Very excited to have him. Uh, we're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use in honor of Taylor being back in honor of the Alaskan back here. Uh, your college Hooper of the day is Trajan Langdon, not necessarily an obscure Hooper, actually a great college basketball player at Duke and now doing big things in the front office for the new Orleans Pelicans. So there's that Alaskan connection, but also I was just simply scrolling through Twitter and I think I saw Jordan Hawkins's um, introductory press conference from Trajan Langdon. So I said, I'm too lazy to look up anyone more obscure. Trajan Langdon, College Hooper of the Day. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feat is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. Welcome back, man. It is great to have you here. How, when was the last time you were on here? And I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm not trying to poke at you. Uh, I genuinely want to know. No, that's a good question. Um, you know, thanks for the shout out. Trajan Langdon, Alaskan assassin, pride of East Anchorage High School as well. Um, who I think just won the state championship up there this last year over over friend of the program, Colton Groudon's West Valley High School from Fairbanks last See, this anyway. is why we need you, man. I wouldn't have been able to pull that. Well, also, uh, you're talking to 5% of the people who care about Alaska high school basketball right here, right now. So, um, And actually, you probably know 40% of the people who care about Alaska high school basketball. But no, I think it's been since um, probably early May. Uh, I think maybe i snuck another one in there somewhere but it's been pretty much post college basketball season in a, in a in a very uh major way it's been a it's it's been a strange year or spring over here in uh, scottsdale especially with uh with the first kid on the way and all of that coming up here in september already someone better finish that nursery uh that's you yes that's me <laughs> yeah so but you know just work sucks uh we all know that it's been, um, yeah, it's Blink, still been a very Blink 182 has been on tour on the West uh, Coast, haven't they? Work sucks, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Uh, how did a couple friends go to their concert here in Phoenix? Uh, a couple relatives and friends go to their concert in San Diego. I even did a Backyard Beers about Blink 182 as well. That so, was really um, good. 
Hey, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna pack my pat myself on the back for that one. That was one of the better ones, I I think. But um, been going up to Pine Top a lot. Um, spoiler alert: uh, the parental units may have a, procured a home up there uh, as well. So um, that's going to be beneficial for everybody moving forward. But yeah, just trying to prep for uh, becoming a becoming a dad here one uh, one day at a time. Sue, I know. I mean, I've been listening to you, but uh, what else has been happening outside of what we know about here uh, on the podcast intros? Not much. Not much. Uh, the air quality here in Chicago apparently is the worst in the world right now. Now, it's not going to last very long, but I will say as being someone who's been to Delhi, uh, it smells like Delhi outside right now. I think we're getting the Canada wildfires that New York was dealing with a couple weeks back. But yeah, Chicago right now has really bad air quality. Uh, I do think it's the worst in the world. And like I said, when I went outside, like people were wearing masks. and I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. No. Yeah. I, as someone who's friends with multiple people who have been to Manitoba within the last couple of weeks, Yes, you must have a robust friend group if you know multiple people that have been to Manitoba in the last couple of weeks. Uh, yes, no rain there in the Plains area of Canada at any point this summer. Uh, so it's been pretty dire straits up there. Uh, when you're getting 100 plus degree weather in Canada, you know, and no rain, that's bad, bad combo for uh, especially for you uh, who has to deal with a lot of the uh, issues with that, let's call it so. Well, I appreciate that, but shout out to our friend, friendly folks and fine folks in, in Canada. They're obviously going through it far worse than I am. Like I said, this is only temporary, but you're right. That is a bad combo. I mean, I'm trying to think of bad combos that we can relate to in college basketball. What are some combos that just didn't work? I don't know. Larry Eustachie at Iowa State and alcohol slash partying. That was a bad combo. With younger kids, uh, Rick Patino joke could be a little too easy, so I'm going to stay away from that. But uh, anyone else on the on the court that you can think of? I mean, how quickly do you want to get into the college basketball <laughs> discussion? Because I think we have an apt, uh, you know, example right here in front of us that we haven't really that you discussed, you've mentioned, but we haven't really had a full discussion about, and that's uh, what's a worse combo than Bob Huggins and microphones, maybe or. <laughs> Steering Just wheels. the 2023 <laughs> off season, right? In general, yeah, Al exactly. yeah, man. I yeah, we can we can dive into it for sure. Let's let's do it. It is Huggins time. We were I talked a little bit about Huggins last week before we talked uh, NBA draft with the sideline summit boys, but it's just so disappointing, man. And I think the biggest shock for me, Taylor, is that this just came t tumbling down in a matter of months. Like if I told you the last time you were on this program, that Bob Huggins was not going to be the coach at West Virginia. If, if we just take a look at some of the landscape of the big 12, like eight months ago, nine months ago. And I told you that Chris Beard would not be at Texas. He'd be at Ole Miss. And I told you, Mark Adams would not be at Texas tech. And I told you, Bob Huggins would not be at West Virginia. What would you say? But if we're focusing in on on Huggins, right, it, it just seems as if he's led up everything to this point in his career perfectly. And I don't know, maybe maybe Huggins does have some other ghosts in his closet or skeletons in his closet that I don't know about. But it just seems like in the matter of two months, he's made as many career-ending mistakes. 
Well, I mean, he did have a DUI when he was at Cincinnati. Okay. So, um, so that's and not didn't, good. didn't that have something to do with, um, uh, like, I mean, he's got a couple strip club stories in there, right? I think. I, I, I don't know. I mean, not that that's <laughs> yeah. illegal. Not that that's right. illegal by any means. And but, I, I, um, look, I, I would say, like, from a moral standpoint, like, DUI is obviously illegal, but from a moral standpoint, have whatever discussion you want. And then you could say it's not legal, uh, not illegal. But then some people would say, Hey, his homophobic slurs were not illegal either. Uh, right. But I that's think what, way what, worse. What would have been more surprising to me is not if you told me that Bob Huggins had been fired in the six weeks to two months since I've been on this program, but more so that Bob Huggins had multiple incidents that caused him to be fired. I think would have been because neither of these individually, I think were fireable offenses. Well, we saw that. We know that we know that because the first one, which I think you are correct, significantly worse uh, than the DUI. Not that I'm condoning DUIs, but like that's a much more common mistake than going on maybe like a talk radio show and using, uh, offensive terms and offending like 50% of the population <laughs> essentially, you know, if we add up some of these numbers, but um, yeah, I mean the, the fine and well, it wasn't even really a fine. However, they w- worked it out. You know, the salary uh, situation was kind of unprecedented in a way, but then you yeah, had to follow that up with a DUI. Like if you would have just gotten a DUI this summer, people would have been like, ah, well, you know, huggy bear, strip clubs and DUIs is kind of his thing. West Virginia, nobody gives a shit of West Virginia, you know? So, um, but yeah, you combine it with that. Um, what it really kind of goes to show, unfortunately, and I don't mean to be like, I don't know what's the, like, uh, on a well, I don't know what or high, okay. high, high horse, high horse this by any means. Cause I'm definitely not the person to high horse this, but, um, if Bob Huggins and people of his ilk, 70-year-old dudes from West Virginia, let's just throw that out there, um, are using that type of language uh, publicly, uh, knowingly, assumedly soberly on a, on a radio show. You can only imagine what his like pre, post, halftime practice rants are uh, to his team. And so it's kind of surprising, I think, in a lot of ways that um, how much stuff really goes on behind the scenes of college basketball programs and the discussions that are having really that people kind of just, uh, you know, pull a, pull the wool over their eyes intentionally to know, to, to, you know, intentionally look away from this stuff. Cause you know, if, if Bob Huggins is dropping the, the, this kind of language in a public interview, you can imagine what his private conversations must be like. I know that's probably like speculation. And I, again, I'm not, I, I'm definitely not the person to like stand on the pedestal on, you know, and, and tell people, or assume how other people act and stuff, but you can kind of infer that if he's talking like this publicly, you can only imagine uh, how he berates his uh, berates some of his players. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Am I off base? You think on that? I don't know. I, I do think it's speculation. So I think it's fair for us and, and probably what we should be doing to call that out. It is complete speculation. We're just two idiots talking into a microphone, but uh, I would say, you know, so many people in the business, love Bob Huggins and they have said all the great things that he's done, even the media members. But I think they've, everyone's agreed and come to terms with the fact that he couldn't do those two things that he did in the off season and realistically expect to keep his job. It's almost like the opposite of a Draymond green on the basketball court, right? So Draymond gets his first technical. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He will not get ejected. Okay. He will not be dismissed. 
Whereas Bob Huggins, he does get that first technical. Uh, and then he got the second technical and it was like, you're gone, pal. So it's like the opposite of what Draymond Green does on the court. But I don't know. This, so I, I don't necessarily want to paint Huggins with this broad brush, but I think it is also fair to question what he's saying maybe behind closed doors. And I think it's very obvious. And I think none of us should be naive enough to think that these guys aren't polished in front of us, right? That we're getting the full hundred percent authentic coach player, whomever in front of the microphone, uh, because everyone has their flaws, but these are just two flaws that were way too severe to overcome. And it's kind of thrown West Virginia into a state of shock. I mean, here's another crazy headline for you. A year ago, how about this? A year ago, you show me this college basketball headline, head coach of the Boston Celtics, Joe Missoula, uh, and a few other West Virginia alums get on a Zoom call with the team to try and restore order. I don't know what the hell I'd be looking at. But did you see that? How about... How about West Virginia starting point guard Kirk Creasa decides to stay with the team under coach <laughs> under under, co- inter, under coach Josh Eiler? Yeah, that would have been like four months ago. You'd be like, uh, after what? Taylor, after meet, let's layer it all on. After <laughs> meeting on a Zoom call with Boston Celtics head coach Joe freaking Missoula. Oh man, that's beautiful. Um, what a time there in Morgantown. You know, what is I want to know what what uh what your closest West Virginia alum thinks about all of this. So Oh my dad. <laughs> I was like, who <laughs> you know what? I, I have a I, I always call my parents. I try to call my parents weekly on a Tuesday and I'll ask them about this. But we have we have to catch up on Never Have I Ever first, being my dad. That's the South Indian staple on Netflix, Mindy Kaling show. Uh, remember, I, I'm a heavy emphasis on South Indian because every Hollywood stuff you get about Indians is usually North Indians. Oh, you want like butter chicken, garlic naan, like all this stuff. There's some very South Indian tropes in uh, Never Have I Ever, and that's good representation. But after that, I'll ask him about uh, Huggy Bear there. Have you, um, what's the other, Dan- Danielle wanted me to ask you if you uh, watch, is it the Sex Lives, Sex Lives of College Girls? Isn't that another Mindy Kaling show i don't watch that i think my wife rachel watches that it okay. very well could be though okay great show Good never theater? have i ever by the oh, way okay. no never have i ever never have i ever uh we just got done watching i think was it the series finale oh well was it season four episode 10 because yeah yeah whatever the last one was right i think that's it <laughs> and going off what your dad had said i also couldn't believe what david did but you know i'm just gonna leave i'm just gonna leave that at that for those who haven't watched it yeah, yeah. You know, well, so. you saw you saw a lot of familiar Indian wedding uh, things that happened, right? You've you've been exposed. I felt, to that. I felt I felt right at home. Felt like it was you know April fourteenth. Oh, very close, April fifteenth. Thank you. Ah, tax day. Damn it. Yeah, that's Excuse right. Me. Yeah, two thousand twenty-two. So a great day in all of our lives. But um, but yeah, I, I do want to make sure that we know what your dad's thoughts are on on his alma mater there and, and what, what, the, what the direction of their basketball program is going to be here. Here's what he'll do. He'll just pivot it to something about Jeff Hostetler winning a Super Bowl as a West Virginia head coach, or I don't know, no, not head coach, uh, quarterback, or it was like some Gator Bowl that Jeff Hostetler was in. I don't know, but he always just pivots to Jeff Hostetler and the football team. But yeah, I, I don't know. 
wild times in Morgantown. So where does this, um, you know, I mean, it's, I don't want to say we don't know this quite yet, but what do you think the, like, what's the level of West Virginia basketball? Like, where do they rank? Like, do they just fall off a cliff from here or are they a big enough name? Cause they honestly really haven't been that good. Like in, you know, people really wanted them to be like good this year, this last year, they kind of got hot for a little bit and people really wanted to be like, Oh no, they got a shot, but they really haven't been that good in the last number of years. Um, are, you know, like, are they a big enough name where they're going to continue on? Or is this, I mean, we could, we could take a cop out and say, Oh, it's too early to tell. We know it's too, I know it's too early to tell, but does West Virginia have that name cache in college basketball where they're going to be able to turn this thing around in a quick manner? What do you think? It's a really good question. I think there are going to be some doldrum years here for West Virginia. And the reason people commit and, and transfer to West Virginia was the huggy bear. That's pretty much it. And, or, you know, playing in the big 12. Sure. But you're right, Taylor. I remember people saying that eight, nine Maryland, West Virginia matchup, which was the first game of the tournament. I didn't really care. I was like, I'm, I'm excited because the tournament's here, but it was probably the least excited I've been about an opener because I just didn't care for either team style of play. And neither of those teams were going to make any sort of noise moving forward. Now, West Virginia, you're right. They, they haven't been that strong. They haven't been a potent or a real threat. I don't think in the college basketball landscape and everyone's been the, the, the viral clip that's been going around talking about the other side of huggy that people hope uh, aren't, isn't forgotten is when he's hugging Deshaun Butler, when he tears his ACL. Absolutely. Folks, that was in the final four. I think that was the last time uh, West Virginia was really a truly potent team. And I, you know, I, I I'm forgetting, I'm sure they had some years in the top 10, et cetera. But Taylor, I think it's going to be a little bit of time before they, you know, are able to pick up their bootstraps and straps and move on. Not everyone can be as fortunate, I guess, as Texas with Rodney Terry. But I think everyone also thought with Terry, like maybe they're not a final four or elite eight team, which was incorrect, but I don't think we were ever saying like, okay, Texas isn't just going to completely miss the tournament. Like, what do you think about West Virginia? Yeah, so they've made the tournament nine of the last 14 years, um, which is good. Um, they've been to the Sweet 16, and they went to the Sweet 16 to 15, 17, and 18. So, I mean, I guess in the last few years, I mean the last five years, maybe. Um, you know, it has been 13 years since they went to the Final Four, which makes me feel old as shit um, since that moment that you're referencing there. So... I'm not sure, you know, the Big 12 has changed so much since since Huggins took over there. I mean, it's literally, literally doubled in size. Um, well, it got cut in half and then doubled and then, yeah, like the whole craziness there. Um, and it's only going to get, from a basketball perspective, it has a real opportunity to only get worse for a school like West Virginia. You know, if an Arizona does come over, if another one of these schools um, – you know, obviously we know that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, so that's going to make things a little easier. But if you replace Texas and Oklahoma with like in Arizona and another and like a San Diego state, it's like, well, geez, did, did the basketball landscape really get easier or did it now just maybe get even a little tougher for them? So um, I think that's going to be interesting to monitor uh, for them. I, I, I have a little doom and gloom here. 
I think. I think West Virginia has a very good fan base. Obviously, they've got a lot of cool traditions. Anytime you play John Denver after your game, you're cool with me. Um, but I could see some problems where they haven't been quite that strong in, in the last number of years. They're not exactly in metropolitan United States, which isn't the biggest key in the world. But when you're, you know, if you think of the schools that they're surrounded by, they're surrounded by the best Big Ten schools, the best ACC schools, the best Big E schools, you know, all that right there. So I, I actually could see them. They're, I think, one poor coaching hire from being basement dwellers in the big 12 for a number of years here that's i i i think i really believe that at this point because if a hall of fame legend like bob huggins was just kind of barely having them hang out or hang along here uh, over the last five years I, i don't think it was his fault that they were necessarily uh inconsistent um but I could see, you know, a newer coach or just one poor hire away from them not being very good for a long stretch. I think I think you're right, and I would err on that side for sure. Uh, how much do we really know about Josh Eilert? This is going to be his time to shine, but coaching basketball is not easy. Taking the reins is not easy, especially when you're thrust into that situation. This isn't John Shire who's been groomed for this moment and then Coach K steps down. It's not kind of the same with Hubert Davis. Josh Eilert, we keep making fun of making the, making this joke, beating a dead horse, but like three weeks ago, you say, hey, you're going to be the head coach. I mean, look how bad Louisville is. Louisville. Yeah. A significantly better basketball school than yeah. West Virginia. You know, I mean, again, one bad hire away from – things just being shit after a hall of fame coach almost specifically what happened with louisville leaving on i mean obviously they had a little about a five-year gap in there but uh i i think what will happen though is west virginia will have a decent year this year because it's going to be that kind of rallying oh yeah you know you you still got most of the same players although the transfer portal is different now but it is late in the year now it's a little hard to transfer on july 1st Mm -hmm. um and you know you kind of already have your players you have a guy who's been with the system for a while, but it's not like he's been, rec- he's not going to have nearly the recruiting prowess, obviously, because he doesn't have the name cachet. And then you're just trying to f- figure it out. Just the on the court stuff year one, let alone the off the court stuff too. So I could see them being okay this year. And then like next year and the year after really taking a deep dive after all these guys leave and they're not going to refill them with, um, you know, good players. Really, the key to their success over the next two to three years is going to be transfer portal. Who can they go find that's a junior that is just looking for some extra playing time that keeps getting recruited over at at the you know Dukes, the Tennessees, the Arizonas, the UCLA's, or whatever of the world who keeps getting recruited over and needs some more time. Kind of like a Kirk Creasa. Kirk Creasa, I think, actually could have a good year there. They're going to have to find a lot of guys like that who feel like they're a little bit left out, and that's probably how they're going to need to fill their lineup over the next couple of years. Which, in today's landscape of college basketball, it's kind of funny. It's never been easier to lose your team but it's also never been easier to rebuild your team at the same time too. So um, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I could see them still being bad for the next couple of years though, in the, in the, you know, long story short there. Well, and we just came off of a season where the big 12 was probably the best conference in America uh, during the regular season. At and, least. and again, not getting likely not getting any easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And so you look at the programs, you look at the coaches, you look at the players that continue to come in and out uh, West Virginia at some point, in a couple of years, 
it might take them or over the course of these next few years, I think your best bet is like you said, bringing in these transfers, but trying to have some sort of consistency in terms of winning. Um, I don't foresee them being a NBA mill or pumping out NBA players like Baylor does that. And they're going to the tournament, but Kentucky this past year, they stunk. And yet again, they're getting top 10 guys uh, in, in the NBA draft. So I don't know. I don't I, I don't necessarily know what the formula is for West Virginia. And you talk about Eiler. It's kind of funny, Taylor. You're in this position now uh, with your football fandom because you have an unproven commodity after two great quarterbacks in Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. In West Virginia, you go back all the way to like early 2000s, two great coaches in John Beeline followed by Bob Huggins. And now the Mountaineer basketball program has always, if there's one thing that was not an issue there, it was the head coach. And now uh, poor Eilert's got to take over those reins. And, you know, I don't know how patient they're going to be with him. I have two more things on this. One is um, I hate really a huge pet peeve of mine. It's like uh, Bob Huggins' daughter went on Twitter and put this like 10 page long, like thing, like, Ride or die. Don't just don't like just don't. You know, if you're gonna put out a statement, be like, why are you? Why do you need to put out a statement? Also, you're just like someone's. You're just someone's daughter at this point. You don't even. No one's requiring you to put out a statement. Not the school. Not Bob. Nobody. Right. And it's if you want to put out a statement, you just be like, I know people make mistakes. I still love my dad and think he's a great person and hope that he's remembered well in the eyes of the volunteer of the Mountaineer faithful. That's all you really don't need to say more than that. You know, like that's it right there. Um, but number Did two, I the recycling also, didn't you say like he's a recycling uh, enthusiast? <laughs> I didn't even make it all the way through the end of this. So. Yeah, guy loves right, the planet. Maybe that's from somewhere else. Yeah. He's the, is he the only person that lives in Morgantown that cares about the environment? Is, or is that is that enough to it? have beer cans in his car? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but number two is I've always really thought West Virginia's athletic department was super interesting because they're just always on the cusp of like almost being really really good. Be, you've, you've had a combo of Beeline and Huggins, as well as like Rich Rod and uh, like Holgerson, you know, like these guys that are good enough to get you to like the, like this almost the summit, but then like never enough to be, and they're, like they're all, their teams are always cool. They're always fun. Pat they, have White, good, Steve they have good, they have good colors. Like they have good tradition. So it's like always an athletic department that is like, they could be a little, just a little better than it is, but they just have never been able to get over the hump uh, at any time. And that's, uh, I, I've always thought of West Virginia's uh, athletic department, like, I don't know, pretty highly, but it's just weird that kind of, we, you and I have talked about this for in the entirety of our friendship. So like 15 plus years now, right. It's like some schools, teams, whatever, they just are what they are. And so that'll be tested here with Huggins leaving is West Virginia's always had a good basketball program and they've always had a good football program and they have continued somehow to be good at those things they've never been they're never really great for a sustained amount of time so uh that'll be tested here is is west virginia can they still be what they are like a good basketball program or is that are they just gonna fall off here we should get mcafee on the program you think he'd spare some time hey i uh speaking of alaska there one of my fairbanks alaska golf buddies who's 60 ish 
uh, grew up in Morgantown, played football at West Virginia. And uh, he, um, I won't name drop this guy, but uh, he is in a group chat. This is no bullshit. He's in a group chat with Huggy, Saban, and Rich Rod because they all grew up at one point, lived on the same street in West Virginia. That is wild. There's an there's an article about this one county in West Virginia just producing a buttload of championship coaches. Like we'll be playing golf and he'll he'll hit me on the arm because he knows I'm a huge sports guy, right? He'll hit me on the arm and he'll be like, "Hey, look, I'm talking to Saban." I'm like that's fucking wild you know like that's like you're an idiot i love this dude but he's also an idiot too like whatever so i'm like i can't believe that you just sit here and you like casually go yeah we're gonna go to nick's we're gonna go to nick's uh lake house this summer and and rich and and huggy you're gonna come meet it's like wild conversations to have with this very average regular dude well jimbo fisher's from there too isn't he you want to oh, yeah, title at so. florida state yeah, is he in yeah. that group chat also I'll, I'll ask next time i see him so yeah yeah Adam. Yeah. So a lot going on there for the uh, West Virginia basketball program. I do, I guess I want to get your thoughts on Josh Heilert though, Taylor, uh, before we move on to, to a different topic here. Um, what do you foresee? I mean, what are the expectations for Josh Heilert? What do you think are reasonable expectations for him or what do you, if you're a West Virginia fan and try and be as neutral as possible, which is kind of oxymoronic to what being a fan is. What can you reasonably expect from Eilert? I mean, yeah, I guess that's going back to what I said a little bit ago is I think if you look at how these things play out a lot, it's you're going to have one kind of okay year and then um, some bad ones, uh, <laughs> I guess, after that. I, I don't know. I guess the proper expectations are that you, you can't really judge a guy on under like three or four years and letting him get his own recruits and stuff in there. The tough part is, is, you know, Eilert has essentially gone from grad assistant 10, 15 years ago to uh, assistant to like video coordinator. Maybe he's the next Eric Spolstra. Uh, maybe <laughs> but uh, i don't know i i don't i personally don't have very high expectations of him i know that kind of sucks to say but like i think that this is all kind of being thrust on him quite quickly given what his background is i kind of like that i, I mean i i under let me put it this way i like the choice by west virginia it's a little bit of kind of like an i don't want to say out of left field but like they maybe had enough time to vet some other people or figure out where they wanted to go but at the same time i kind of like that they're like hey fuck it let's just let it fly and see how it goes because we might have a diamond in the rough here. And if not, what's the worst that happens? We fire him or we don't even pick up his int- the interim tag or we fire him in two years and no, and nobody will blame us West Virginia for that. So I kind of like the hire. Um, I guess it's not even really a hire. The promotion. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I don't have any expect, I don't have any high expectations of him at all. I think this is going to be probably not end very well for him, unfortunately. I think I, I think so too. I could see him being retained though on staff because of the responsibility he's taking on and the situation that he's been put in. There has been some flirting between West Virginia and Andy Kennedy, what I've read. Uh, uh, you know, but obviously Andy Kennedy's done a wonderful job at UAB and he did a great job at Ole Miss. I think that would be a perfect fit uh, between West Virginia and Andy Kennedy. But you know, I, it, the the timing of this all is just not great. Right, you're just, it's just so awkward. Early, late June, early July, 
transfer windows have pretty much closed. Rosters are kind of set. I'm glad that they're letting these West Virginia kids explore other situations because, like I said, people go to West Virginia for Bob Huggins, and then you never foresee this happening. And so they should be able to get out of their uh, get out of their commitment. But it's just such an awkward time because I mean, coaches aren't necessarily going to leave, and it's kind of an awkward in the middle in middle type of road program. This isn't Duke or Carolina where if someone left their pro, you're not graduating to West Virginia for the most part. Uh, and, and if you're coaching at a school that's below West Virginia, who knows if the Mountaineers want you immediately and they want to get in, it's all just very messy and complex based on the timing of this, right? Like if it, if, if this happened right after the final four, I think it'd be much better uh, for West Virginia. You know, I obviously never wanted to happen period, but this is just such an awkward time for all of this to happen. There are really only like a handful of schools in the country who can, who are equipped to deal with something like this. Right. And that, and most of the time they're equipped because their roster is just so talented that it kind of doesn't matter who's coaching that like a lot of these, you know, when schools go through bad things, um, you know, like let's take just because we have personal experience with it. Let's take Lute Olson retiring in September or October of like our freshman year of college, right? Well, Russ Pinnell, interim guy, comes in and we go to the Sweet Sixteen, and Arizona fans are like, maybe we should hire Russ Pinnell as a coach. And it's like, no, Russ Pinnell went to the Sweet Sixteen because they had four NBA, three and a half NBA players on the roster, right? Not because Russ Pinnell was such a good coach that he got them to a like 20 and 14 record, you know? So that's, that would be my, my cautionary tale for West Virginia fans is if Eilert goes like 18 and 14 this year and people are like, yeah, let's hire him. It's like, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, remember that this is who you are, where you're at, like all that type of stuff, where maybe it was just the current talent on the roster, which isn't even that talented of a roster really. But you know, that's my cautionary tale is I've, we've seen this happen where people are like, yeah, no, go with the interim guy. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe that's not, the, not the case. Not every, for every Texas situation, there's like 99 bad interim coach situations mm-hmm. in comparison. Yeah. Well, here we are, Taylor heading into the season. Without, and again, this is over the course of the last couple of years, but no Roy Williams, there's no Coach K, there's no Jay Wright, there's no Bob Huggins. Pillars, instant, no Jim Beheim. Absolute pillars and institutions uh, on the sidelines that we watched growing up pretty much throughout our entire collegiate basketball career. And somehow that cockroach, that cockroach Patino still hanging around after all, <laughs> who's probably, who did way worse shit than anybody else we just talked about. Right. And he, he's I still love hanging Patino, around, man, that, that man wins games. I talked about him a couple weeks ago and how at the very least he's got St. John's rejuvenated. They got a nice little roster over there uh, in, in Queens. And I expect them to be a bubble team slash make the NCAA tournament, him and John Calipari. I love them both, man. Snake it till you make it. Screw these haters. I love them. I, I love both of those coaches. Uh, but yeah, crazy, crazy stuff already happening in, in college basketball. The landscape has shifted quite a bit, especially uh, for West Virginia. Speaking of West Virginia here, I'm going to do a quick loose segue. Oscar Shebway, a former Mountaineer, uh, did not get drafted in the NBA draft alongside Adama Sanogo. 
the final four MOP alongside Drew Timmy, who is arguably one of the best big men the collegiate game has ever seen. Azulis Tabellis, one of our guys, obviously not drafted either. Um, Taylor, it's crazy to see the landscape of college or excuse me, the NBA change as much as it, as it has over the course of us watching it. But you look at some of these guys and their names and the accolades that they racked up in college. And it's hard not to think that if they were playing in a different era, if this was the mid two thousands, early two thousands, they are lottery picks. They're in the likes of like an Emeka Okafor, who I think today might go undrafted, but you look at those names, Taylor, and it's pretty, it's pretty jarring uh, to see. And it also, by the way, does not help us in our arguments with folks that don't really care about sports or maybe basketball in particular, when they're like, Adama Sonogo just won the final four MOP. Oscar Shibway won national player of the year and is a double, double machine. Drew Timmy apparently just gets to final fours and elite eights and he's amazing. And it's like, so why aren't they drafted in the top 10? It's like, well, they just don't have the potential, the athleticism, the pro game to really translate, uh, at least compared to the other top 10 picks. So I would put like uh, Timmy and Tubelis in the same grouping where they have a similar skill set. Uh, not exactly similar skill set, but they just don't have like... Well, one's, one's significantly better, at least in college. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, right. Okay. No, 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 totally, totally. Um, but I'm just saying in for this discussion, like... Sure. They would be used the same exact way in the NBA. I guess six, nine, like, forwards who are not at super athletic. And I'm not just saying that because they're white, because Tubelis, Tubelis has a bunch of great... Uh, highlight jams um and is a great floor runner but it, if if one of those two guys had like the size of like sonogo then yeah then they would have been drafted but that's the thing in the nba today is now when the number one draft pick is seven foot six and can like shoot threes it's it, it's gonna be hard to be a six nine guy that isn't a good shooter like you know i mean if if seven foot six guys are good shooters well projecting is good shooters you know whatever and you got the well, numbers. I mean, th- think about it though, Taylor. Like how many how many of the Wemby highlights that we fawn over are him with post moves or backing people down or even dunking? Right. Like I think it's I think majority of them are this seven six freak going between his legs, stepping back like Steph Curry and hitting a three. God, I hate watching Wemby highlights to be honest with you though because it's like okay wow. i know well, i mean because the a they get shoved down our throats and b it's like okay you're i don't care about the french u17 team from two years you know it's just kind of like yeah i get it i so I, i'm not hating on Wemby. i understand like how much of a like unicorn is finally used in the right term terminology here he can completely is that and he's I would have taken him a hundred times over somewhere, someone like a similar uh, size, like a Chet Holmgren last year, something like that. So it's not even like a size thing either. It's just like, I, I'm excited for what he's going to be in three years and I'm happy and I'm okay with, with that. I just don't need to see the same six to eight highlights on sports center every day. I, I could tell you the exact highlight reel that they're showing, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really it goes to show, like we've been saying for many years, is yeah, if you can't shoot the basketball, I mean, Timmy can, but those other guys cannot, uh, not at an NBA level. Timmy, Timmy, I think could, and and I think that there is maybe some room for him on a second unit uh, somewhere out there in the world, um, if Sabonis can be a ten-year, 
15-year NBA player. And I'm not trying to just use the Gonzaga comp there, but... Um, the white Gonzaga comp. White that's Gonzaga all, comp. 6'9", power forward, white <laughs> Gonzaga comp. Um, but, I, but I'm just saying, if he can be an all-star level player in the NBA, um, I, I'm not saying Timmy will be that I, I think there is probably room just because Timmy's got probably the best offensive skill set of any of those guys. Sheboy's tough because he just doesn't have the offensive skill set that's going to be necessary for the NBA. And it's great to get 20 rebounds a game in college and all that, but that's, that's hard to do. And he's always been very good at using his body, his positioning. Cause he really isn't the tallest guy either. He's only like six, nine, two. But when everybody you play is 7-1 in the NBA, you, there's only so much positioning that some of these guys are just going to out-athletic you for rebounds just because they can, you know? And so that's tough for him. Um, so Nogo's just not not quick enough, not, yeah, doesn't have the offensive skills. But you're right. Like, I mean, if we bring up like LeBron as an example here, in LeBron's 20 years as an NBA player, you've got this group of five guys. I think you said five guys, right? That would all have been drafted, like for sure. Maybe two Bellas wouldn't have been drafted even even 20 years ago, which is fine. Because, well, people weren't exactly as pro-Euro as they are now e- either, right? But, Good you know, point. these other guys would have been, yeah. I, I mean, lottery pick might be a little high to say, but yeah. A first round is an argument for sure. They all would have been drafted for sure. So that's just crazy how long that in one the span of one guy's career. So you can either say LeBron's had a really long career, which is accurate, but in the in the short amount of time in the NBA like world that these guys went from viable, real contending for starting lineup players to like not even going to ever set foot on an NBA court. Just crazy in the last twenty years, not even twenty years, really. This this has been like this for at least five years now. So you're talking about 15 years between like 2000 and 2015, how much that changed. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily know if the age for these folks are helping them either. Drew Timmy's been around in college forever. So is she Well, no, because they could, they, in previous, in 20 years, they, ago, they, they would have gone. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. A good point. It's a very good point. I mean, look at Armando Bacon. He's still, he's just oh, going to be a Carolina oh, legend. To, 1997. That guy's like a top five pick in the, in I know. the draft. It's crazy. The, the landscape of the league has changed quite a bit. And it's funny that you bring up the, the LeBron uh, spectrum as well. But I mean, even a guy like Tyler Hansborough, Tyler Hansborough was Drew Timmy. Yep. He's, he's got a title under his belt, but super successful, dominated every single game they played in Hansborough. I, I don't know if he was a first round pick. I thought he might have been, but Tyler Hansborough was like, when he got drafted, I think to the Raptors, maybe it was the Pacers. People were like, you know what? He could be a nice contributor. Drew Timmy's not even getting any sort of chance, at least uh, in terms of, of being drafted. You know what I fear for, and you guys, you guys didn't talk about this in the way that I'm about to talk about it, but it's obviously a big point of discussion when it comes to draft prospects. Um, There's so, I feel bad for kind of like casual basketball fans. Because most play, your dads, the dads of the world only know like the NBA players, right? And even, and they would recognize some of them from college, right? But now it's almost like when PGA Tour and Live Golf and everything came about, like there's so many different avenues to get to the NBA now. It's hard to, if you're just a casual sports fan, there is no casual sports fan that knew twins. 
twins twins were going to be taken in the top five of the NBA draft this year. You can't tell me there's a single dad who mowed his grass the morning of the NBA draft knew that there were twins from the G league that were going to be drafted in the top five that night. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny it's, you bring them up by the way, because I was talking to a listener of the program, CJ, and he was like, well, I've just found out about the Thompson twins about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, he's, and, he's not, he's and he's not a casual sports fan either. No, like no. he's a very big basketball fan. So yeah, it's just tough when you're talking about, um, and this is the only time I'll ever get, I'm always big, Big harp on uh, media members that cover basketball and how bad they are at covering the sport at times and how this is your job and this is what you should be doing. But I will give them a little bit of um, of some grace here to say, yeah, because right now, if you're scouting for the NBA, it's a 24 hour a day job because there's now not a league on earth that there isn't like an NBA prospect coming out of. And that's that's got to be tough for uh for scouts, for, you know, obviously people like us who are really big, huge basketball fans, but we can't watch every game across, you know, every timeline in the world. So uh, I think that's an interesting uh, this topic of discussion coming on right now because you brought up, well, yeah, Taylor Subi, why wouldn't like a guy like Oscar Sheepway get drafted? It's like, well, because have you heard of the ta- <laughs> you know, the twins from the G League or have you heard from these eight guys from Europe or have you heard from the, you know, the, it's just going to be really difficult. And it's not going to get any easier no. uh, t- to monitor where all of this is coming from. And I mean, for good reason, it's a, it's in general, it's a good thing. The quality of the game, the quality of the NBA should always be on the way up because of that, right? Because now you're getting, I mean, look at who the best player in the world is, right? The two best players in the world, both, you're, you know, Euro guys, right? So, uh, and the game is only better because of that. But boy, it's going to be tough as your casual college basketball sports fan to be like, okay, so wait a second. So Drew Timmy, who's just dominated college basketball for the for the last few years, doesn't even get drafted. Explain that to me. And we're not we're we're never going to be able to explain that to to someone who doesn't know. I guess. Well, and I think the five years thing that you had mentioned is really spot on because right now I think I could say. We know what Drew Timmy can do at the college level. We've seen him night in and night out. You have not seen this guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You've not seen this guy, Nikola Jokic, right? You haven't seen those two, but there's a reason they were drafted. And look, Jokic was fine. Jokic was a second rounder during our Taco Bell commercial, but there's a reason why a Luka Doncic, who some are saying, no, he's just this pudgy guy from Slovenia who, uh, you know, we're getting grainy footage of. There's a reason why we got Giannis at 15. I think Giannis is the perfect example where people are like, man, you can still get value at at 15. Why are we drafting Giannis? Uh, Fast forward five years or however long it's been since he's been drafted. That's why. Like that is the long-term impact that a Giannis Antetokounmpo can have. And, I'm not saying these other guys can't. Who knows what ha- what could happen? I never thought Nikola Jokic would have this type of impact. But it's easier now to explain as we see some of these examples of projects not only panning out, but becoming all-time greats. Nikola Jokic is an all-time great. Giannis Antetokounmpo is an all-time great. Luka Doncic is on his way to being an all-time great. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. It really is. And you know what? Here's another example with that Doncic thing, and it pains my heart, but who went number one overall? It was the big man, seven-footer DeAndre Ayton, who's still really good. But you redraft, everyone's taken Luka number one. Yep. 
Well, and this year is tough too. And so maybe, maybe I'll table my, my thoughts for a year on this because the gravity of Wembenyama is so, so uh, extreme this year that like, uh, look at, uh, Bilal Koulibaly, right? The seventh pick in the draft. Dude is the teammate of Wembenyama. No idea. Nobody knows a single fucking thing about this guy. And so, like, nobody in the world watched has has watched more Metropolitan's ninety two games than this year specifically, right? And nobody knows who the second best player on the team was, and he got drafted seventh overall. You know, so so maybe I need to walk that back a little bit because the gravity of Wembenyama was so so extreme this year. But but I mean, still, it just goes to show that like it's going to be tough as a casual sports fan, to, as any sports fan, but especially as a casual sports fan to monitor who's good, why they're good, where they're getting drafted, all this type of stuff. Well, so you mentioned the gravity of Wembenyama, but it's always it was always funny to me when they were comparing him to LeBron James because I remember my parents, like they knew who LeBron James was in high school because he was on ESPN 24-7. And I, th- I would hazard to say a lot of people knew who, like even casuals, less than casuals. My wife is less than a cat. She doesn't care about sports. And so when Wembenyama got drafted, she asked me, so was this expected? And I was like, it was probably the most expected. I mean, you could say other number one overall picks like Anthony Edwards was pretty expected, but that's just because of other people. But I'm like, if Wembenyama was in other draft classes, he would be the most expected number one draft pick, maybe with the exception of LeBron James. But I was saying to her, I was like, People knew this was coming uh, about a year, maybe two years ago. When when teams win the NBA lottery, there's usually a where's one or two guys going to go? Like, is Zion going to go here? I don't know. Even last year, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, who's going to go number one? The second the Spurs <laughs> won the lottery, everyone was like, so Victor, you're heading to San Antonio. And I'm like, that doesn't happen. Like, you don't just say you're heading there. Well, I liked uh, um, who represented the Spurs at the uh, lottery this year. Um, I can't remember, I like an assistant GM or something like that. But uh, but they were like, "So, what do you expect from Victor Wembanyama?" And he was like, "Well, we don't know who we're going to pick yet." I thought that was a great. I thought that was a great, you know, very in touch answer. Yeah. yeah, it was. A, but it was a great in touch and you know, funny answer. But the other thing is too is just, you know, I mean, sports coverage has just changed right so when lebron was coming around we didn't have social media we didn't have you know we had tv we didn't have streaming services you know and magazines sports illustrated still showed up to your house once a month sports illustrated for kids was still showing up really when lebron was coming around you know and so yeah of course our parents knew about and everybody knew about this guy he was on the today show on ABC News tonight on ESPN and on the magazines that showed up to your house and people still kind of read the newspaper too. So, I mean, you only had like a handful of out, literally a handful of outlets to like learn about these people, you know, phones weren't a thing or smartphones weren't a thing, of course. So now it's like, well, yeah, why would our wives and girlfriends give a shit about Victor Wembenyama? We've got 17 streaming services and you, you know, we all have laptops and seven TVs and all this type of stuff where it's like, well, yeah, if Subi's watching ESPN, I'm just going to watch Bravo uh, on my phone or on my iPad or in the other room, which yeah. I'm not trying to generalize here, but that's what's happening in our household pretty much. Absolutely. You know, So, yeah, so it's kind of like, of course, that people aren't going to be as in touch with that type of stuff uh, in t- today because there's just such all of your entertainment options are just, you know, a little more easily uh, grasped, let's call it. It's so true. I'm watching Windhorse memes 
and Rachel's watching like the Grimace Challenge, which I just found out about, which is kind of funny. But that's that's what I'm. Yeah, watching. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I- yeah it's just kids <laughs> drinking. I mean, it's like Gen Z drinking the Grimace Shake from McDonald's and then just completely passing out pretending oh, okay. to be passed out yeah, i don't know yeah, yeah. I just, I, it's crazy I, I, that, that did come across my feed now i'm yeah i'm sure you've seen it i'm retroactively understanding what, what what's happening there yeah, yeah. no so, with you. so that's that you know what i do miss also by the way uh fran Frischilla ran so jonathan jonathan cavoni could run because i i trust cavoni in terms of his his analysis and what he says about foreign players uh international players but I do miss Fran Fraschilla at draft night when it would be like a, he maybe he may have covered Jokic. I would love to hear if he had a sound clip on Jokic, but I miss him on draft night being like, yeah, this guy, he's about 10 years away from being 20 years away from being like three years away from being a rotational player for this team. So this is a great value at 38. It's like, Jesus, Fran. Frank Nikilatina is, is like, yeah, like, no, 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 guys, this is a great pick. This is a great pick. Yeah. I, I mean, Fran Fischilla is like, he's kind of like the Celine Stoudemire of, uh, of, of draft analysts. He's just like one generation short of like what would have been just prime time. Dude wouldn't even need to be in America. He could have just moved to Europe at this point and could have just lived there. Never would have had to go back and forth and try and convince us about, you know, he's on his way out. He's like, oh, oh, and now someone like Victor Wembenyama comes up where I don't even have to explain that this guy is good. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. Poor, poor Fran. Just, he just about 10, 15 years early. He could have gotten the wind horse treatment, get flown out to Paris, have, have a few weeks there on vacation, uh, interview, arguably the, the greatest superstar since LeBron James. But sadly he's, uh, he's covering stuff for us. You know what? I love Fran Fraschilla. I love him on Wednesday or Monday nights. I think he's usually alongside, uh, John Shambi talking big 12 hoops. So I'm glad we got Fran all to ourselves. I want, I can't wait for the Brian Windhorse like 30 for 30 to come out in like 30, 40 years. How does this guy get to follow LeBron for his entire career? And then when LeBron's phasing out, he's there. ESPN's like, why don't you go follow Wemby for the next 20 years too? It's like, how did Wendy of all of these people get like the number one analyst or like reporter job in, in basketball? I he's fascinating, man, because I think Windhorse to me is, is marrying that balance or he has that balance of like a Tim Legler who I love because he's strictly ball talk. He is strictly talking about hoops and he's breaking down film like, people who love the game want them to break it down. But Wendy also has this panache of like the flair and the ridiculous comments like a Stephen A. Smith or a perk even where he's like, you know what? I'm going to break down what's happening with the Utah jazz. And then I'm going to add on to it, the finger meme. And it's like, I don't know. Uh, there's something about Wendy that is just uh, appealing when it comes to this type of stuff. You know, speaking of all these analysts, and I know we're just going just completely off the college basketball uh, radar here in a little ways, but so glad they got rid of that Jay Williams, Max Kellerman, like Jalen was Jalen Rose, whoever the hell else was on that show. Keyshawn? Like, oh, Keyshawn was key. I, yeah. know. I didn't I'm really glad- tune into that. No, all these shows they have are so dumb now. I'm glad that they're purging like half of the people that they have on staff there now because it's become such a joke to watch any of these shows. So, but 
Jay will has Jay Williams has anyone ever liked him as an an analyst in any like way, shape, or form? I mean, Jay, look, and I know you're a Heat fan, but the second Jay Williams said Jimmy Butler was harder to guard, harder to guard than Kevin Durant, yeah, I, I almost threw my phone. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah, Hinton Perk sucks. I hate. I love Perk to- though. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, doesn't but- make good points. Yeah, I just actually I love JJ Redick just because of his reactions to whatever Perk is doing. But yeah, sorry, I I took us even further. No, 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 no. I I hear you. I just think it's like Legler is my number one guy, but I understand kind of why they bury him at 11 p.m. Eastern with Scott Van Pelt because people don't want that. People don't want to talk about spacing and ball cutting and screens and how like this one screen on the weak side. 15 seconds or I don't know, like 10 seconds into the shot clock opens up a wide open shot with five seconds left. They don't want that. They want, they want, uh, Oh, Kevin Durant, you're a big baby for going on Twitter spaces. And then Kevin Durant chirping back at Jason McIntyre. That's what they want. I did kind of think that was hilarious. It is. It is funny. (laughs) Like it's not mutually like, yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for that type of stuff too, but that's why I think Windhorse is great. He toes that balance. There you go. There you go. All right, TD. This was a great episode back, man. I'm glad we do- we dove into it. Some good shop talk here in the dog days of summer. Can I offer you one piece of trivia here? Oh, yeah. And um, that is, which one, you, may, you probably already saw this story, but which one of Manute Bowles' kids just committed to Florida? Okay. Is it, is it, <laughs> is it Madute, Abuk, Ayak or Chris or John? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Chris Bull. John Bull just committed to uh, to, to Florida. <laughs> so, I don't know where. So Manute has two has kids with two wives. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, rest rest in peace. We could tell that there was a very um, uh, line in the sand that was drawn up where we when we were naming uh kids traditional oh, uh sudanese names or john and chris so yeah c- congrats to john bull brother of bull bull son of minute uh on committing to florida here uh, recently here's the uh here's the what's the the combination that we're gonna go with now john t- t- we'll just say bolden how about that d-o-l-d-e-n <laughs> okay, John Bolden, Todd Golden, Todd Bolden. You know, now we're completely <laughs> off the rails. Just marry the two last names. You can do that. Taylor, great to have you back, my man. Uh, we will be – well, no, you know what? Why don't we take next week off? It's the fourth. And then I'm, then I'm going to Colorado, actually, for vacation. Dude, good for you. Yeah, it's uh, – we've we've had a pretty good year so far here in Phoenix. You know, had, we had pretty much avoided 100-degree um, days for the most part. Um and we just skipped like the 100, 103 degrees in Phoenix. If you've been to Phoenix, it's really no big deal. It's, you know, I mean, it's hot, but it's no big deal. So we, we skipped pretty much from 98 degrees to 111 degrees. So that's where we're at now. So I'm excited to, I'm jealous of your, of your Colorado trip there. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm sure you're, I'm sure your pregnant wife is loving that weather as well right now. Oh, yeah. No, 113 and no real ability to go anywhere. It's a great combination. Tell you what. I believe it. So, I believe and someone's got to finish the nursery at the same time too. Like I said, that's the second so, time you brought it up. I know. I know. Well, uh, yeah, you should see how many times uh, my wife brings it up per day. So two is, two is uh, what we get to generally by about the time the first coffee cups, uh, 
uh, finished. So, and that's at about 7.30 a.m. So you can only imagine how many more added on across the next 14 to 16 hours from there. Well, tell her I apologize for stealing an hour out of your time. I'm not going to apologize for the hour I gave the theater goers, but I will thank you for listening as always. And we will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.